This week on Center City Overtime, we take a little bit of a longer look into what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. Like and subscribe and let's get it. Let's get it. Welcome to Center City Overtime, where normally we take a little bit of a deeper look into Sunday morning's messages, but today we're doing something a little different. Yeah, yeah. Because of our vacation and Holy Week schedules, we are pre-recording this message, and so we haven't had the chance to hear Sunday's message, which I'm so excited about. John Gonzalez will have preached it. You will have gotten to hear it, and I can't wait to hear what he has. But rather than rehash something we haven't heard with someone who's not here... We're just going to dive into the kingdom. Yes, I'm sure he already smashed it. I'm speaking prophetically that he has <laughs> already smashed it. I'm sure everybody has lifted him up on their shoulders and carried him out. And there was confetti cannons. And uh, I'm sure it was an incredible message. Um, but what he did do was, I, I do know, he has introduced our new series called Kingdom Over Everything. Mm -hmm. And um, we're really excited about this this kind of look at what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. Yeah. So what we decided we were going to do today um, is before we get into kind of all the things from this specific passage. So let's talk a little bit first about kind of the origins of all mm -hmm. this. So all of this is based out of what um, uh, is infamously called the Sermon on the Mount. Right. Would you spend some moment and kind of explain that? Yeah, this is a passage. It's in the Gospel of Matthew from chapter 5 through chapter 7. It's basically what scholars would call maybe Jesus's most famous sermon. And it goes through basically those whole chapters are just him teaching people what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. And, um, and so we kind of refer to it a lot and we just kind of took a chance we're reading through it and we're like, man, I think there's something here. We were already talking about kind of how kingdom and culture interact. And we're like, oh, I think this is what Jesus is saying on the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, it is a, um, it's a moment in the life of Jesus where, um, you know, not just his disciples, but hundreds of people yeah. um, had gathered on the side of a, um, mountain. a mountain and began having this conversation. And, and Jesus really becomes very um, clear about uh, just so many different issues of life. We, we, we'll walk through this when we talk about anger. He talks about finances. He talks about relationships and marriage. He talks about things like making vows. Anxiety. Anxiety, worry. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's all kind of wrapped up into this incredible collection of passages. And I, I really got excited. We're going to walk through that in the next several weeks. We'll talk about how the kingdom of God is over all these different things and how it should f affect our behavior. Mm -hmm. um, but before we got into that, I think there's a bigger conversation that we had around kind of what is the kingdom of God? Yeah. Like if, if this is kind of the, the behaviors in the kingdom of God, is this what the kingdom of God kind of, what we should act as citizens of the kingdom of God, how we should act as citizens of the kingdom of God, what does the kingdom of God look like? So we did a little bit of study and we kind of have these six themes that we found throughout scripture that really do a good job of describing what the kingdom of God is. Yeah. You ready to jump into this? I am. Awesome. Let's go. So the first one is found in Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 21. It reads like this. Once on being asked by Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God 
is in your midst. It's in the mist that can be translated as it is within you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and really, when we talk about kingdoms as a whole, often people kind of get caught up a little bit because when we think of kingdoms, we think of physical locations. We think yeah, of physical Yeah, you think about places. like country borders and like being able to look on a globe and point to that's this kingdom or that's this country. Yeah, so as it pertains to the kingdom of God though, it's present, but it's not physically definable, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. um, what are some of the advantages to a kingdom that's, that's present, but not physically definable? Well, I think that means that it's everywhere uh, because the kingdom of God is within those of us who are part of the kingdom of God. I promise that this will get clearer as we go. And so one of those advantages is that wherever we go, the kingdom of God is there. So there, there's no real way to escape it. Yeah, it's kind of funny because uh, Jess and I are preparing and by now we'll actually be in Spain when this is released. And um, one of the things that we have to be careful of is carrying identification so that if we get caught in a pinch, we can declare where we're from. Mm -hmm. Like we have physical representation of our citizenship because where we're from as Americans, our kingdom, for lack of a better term, um, our kingdom actually has a physical location and we're moving to visit a kingdom that is not ours, right? Mm -hmm. So I need some kind of identifying you know, feature that says, hey, this is where I'm a part of. Um, but what I love about the kingdom of God is, again, because it is not present, but dwells within us, it goes where we go. Yeah. Um, and it's a kingdom that can't be um, removed from me, which mm -hmm. I think is, is a huge truth that I think sometimes we miss out on. Yeah, yeah. So it makes it confusing because it is even when Jesus is talking to them and he's like, the kingdom is here, but you're not going to be able to say here it is. And I'm like, didn't you just say here it is, Jesus? Yeah. Um, so like if it's messing with your brain a little bit, please don't feel like you're alone um, because it is there's nothing else like this for us to compare it to. But it's it's cool to know that God is with us and this kingdom is wherever we go. Well, I also think it speaks to authority. What I mean by that is when a kingdom is physical, when there's a landlocked area boundaries or like the boundaries can be drawn, we can find out where that authority ends. Mm -hmm. When the kingdom is everywhere, there's, there's, no, no there's no end to his authority. Like his kingdom is everywhere mm -hmm. and it's above all things, kingdom over everything, right? Yeah. So the second, <laughs> the second thing we want to kind of highlight the second characteristic of the kingdom of God is found in Romans chapter 14. You want to read that one? Sure. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Um, so this one, just for a little bit of context, when I was looking through, I got the chance to kind of go through and see all different parts of the Bible that talk about the kingdom of God. It's right after the early church is having these challenges where they're trying to figure out some people think it's okay to eat certain foods and other people don't. And what should the right thing be? And Paul is like frustrating in the answer because he basically says, well, if someone's convicted that this is wrong, they shouldn't do it. But I'm not going to say that no one should do it. And, um, and then he ends that whole argument with basically saying the kingdom of God isn't about what you eat or drink. It's about what the Holy Spirit is producing in you. And so I think a lot of times when we talk about the kingdom, we get distracted by the behavior, like what it is supposed to look like, what, what we're about to talk about. We can get distracted and think that that behavior is the only like 
the only way to show that we're from the kingdom. And Paul's trying to say, it's not actually about what you're doing. It's about what the Holy Spirit is doing inside you. Yeah, I love the way verse 18 says, because anyone who serves Christ, so he moves it from behavior to obedience and service to Christ. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's, a, it's a, a paradigm shift. And um, I think for a lot of people, um, you know, fast forward several thousand years later from this passage and surprise, the church is still struggling over these, what I would call secondary issues and yeah. arguments and defining our righteousness based off of people's interpretations of what righteousness should look like versus what Paul would say, um, are they faithfully serving Christ? Is their, is their heart set on the king of the kingdom? Mm -hmm. um, then, then the secondary issues shouldn't matter. We can have differences and, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's beautiful. It's also a little bit frustrating. It's kind of all the same. We didn't, when we were talking about this ahead of time, I didn't see this thread, but like, I feel like I'm constantly wanting boundaries that are really, really clear and black and white. And like, here's a list of what you do. Here's a list of what you don't. Here's where the kingdom is. Here's where the kingdom is not. And instead, what seems to be coming up over and over again is it's not that simple, but it's no. a lot more beautiful. Yeah, because I'm, I'm like you in some references, uh, in some ways, I, I like boundaries. I feel like boundaries allow me to thrive. Mm -hmm. I don't have to try to worry about what's outside the boundaries, which is a little strange coming from someone with my kind of creative makeup. You would think, oh, he likes pushing the boundaries. Um, I don't. I, I like really clearly defined lanes. What I don't like is the thought that if I trip over the boundary, it's perishing forever and mm -hmm. it's eternal death. And there's no escape if I just trip over a boundary on accident or even willingly make a decision to move outside the boundary. There's no coming back. And I do believe that that's what Paul is trying to communicate. And I think when you look at the whole of scriptures, it's like, no, there's boundaries, there's lanes, but by the grace of God, we're always being called and drawn to the middle. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. It reminds me, and this may be just going off the rails, but it reminds me of when everyone thought that the earth was flat. And there was this idea that you could sail to the end of the earth and fall off of it. When in reality, like they would eventually discover that it was round and like rotating on this axis around the sun. Like I feel like sometimes in my mind, I, I think that it's flat, but really there's such a different level of depth to what the kingdom of God is. That may have made no sense. No, it absolutely does. No, it absolutely does. Although, are you sure the, the earth is round? Yes. I'm just kidding. That was a, yeah. Sorry, that was a bad joke. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so uh, the next one is found in Romans chapter 14, 17 through 18. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating That's what we just, just read. So we're not going to do that again. <laughs> that would be, yeah. Anyway, Colossians chapter 1, Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, for he uh, has rescued us from the uh, dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sin. So in the kingdom of God, it's a place of rescue, redemption, and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So as much as uh, there's these boundaries, right? And we talked a little bit about this in prep. Um, that's why I love the Psalms, because the Psalms really often define uh, a God who guides us and leads us beside still waters, and he gives us this valley, this meadow, 
but there's boundaries, mm-hmm. right? Like the, to wander outside of his leading is dangerous and treacherous, and 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 he's always calling us back. Here's the here's the truth of the kingdom that I, I love is that the kingdom is always about rescue. It's mm-hmm. always about redemption. It's always about forgiveness. And no matter how far you have strayed, no matter how many times you have tested the boundaries, no matter how many times you've you've willingly chosen, there's always the call back. Until you stop breathing, there's always that that call back to the kingdom. It's a kingdom of rescue. And um, I actually was listening to uh, a podcast recently when they were talking about the priesthood and how scripture is clear to define us as the priesthood and really the objective of the priests were the gathering of the people into the house of the Lord. And really today, as the royal priesthood as scripture defines us, it is our job to be about the kingdom work of rescue mm-hmm. and forgiveness and redemption, taking those who are outside of the house of the Lord and drawing them in. And I've just, I've always loved that picture. Yeah, I think this is one we have to remember because when we look at human history, often when, maybe always, but I'll say often, when kingdoms are expanding, it's for power and domination. It's for stripping of resources and um, really like colonialism. And so sometimes when I think about like the kingdom growing, it's hard to get those ideas out of my mind. And yet what we're, what we're seeing here and what we have experienced, hopefully you have experiences personally, is each person who is invited into the kingdom, each time the kingdom expands by even one person, that is a rescue. It's not yeah. the same as, as yeah. what happens in human history. And sometimes when we use the same words, it can be it can be easy to associate those two together. And yet, like it is, it's about rescue and redemption and forgiveness and inviting people to be part of that rather than just kind of going out and, and conquering, which is sometimes what I think of when I think of like kingdom expansion and like a history standpoint. Yeah, and I think this next one actually kind of continues that that same thought, right? So Matthew eight eleven, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and take their place at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of God, uh, heaven. And I do think that that passage is a little bit more loaded than we think in mm-hmm. modern day context. Of course, for us, it's not a big deal. There's people of all nations represented in that idea that there's this gathering place. But remember when Jesus um, is communicating to these people on the side of a mountain, there is very much a struggle with the idea that Jesus is not just for the Jew, but he's also for the Gentile. Mm-hmm. Um, if you remember the, the, the woman, um, the Samaritan woman at the well, this was a huge deal and the disciples did everything they could to persuade Jesus away from that moment. Um, a, because she was a woman, but B, because she was a Samaritan. And there was such a anger and a frustration between those two cultures. And here in Matthew, it's saying that the kingdom of God is for people from all different backgrounds. Yeah. This is our birthright as a church. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is, historically, even when you look at it, the idea that all men are created equal, the idea that there is neither man or woman or... Um, uh, like at the foot of the cross, that idea of what we today would co- call um, a mago dei or the image of God was first in a lot of in a lot of ways first introduced by Christianity. Like the the the, the Jesus's revolutionary 
kind of one of the revolutionary ideas that Jesus brought into culture was this idea that all men are created equal. Mm -hmm. So again, fast forward, today, this should be our birthright. This should be something that we champion as the children of God is to say, no, no, the kingdom of God is open to all people. Uh, accessibility, like being able to, to experience the kingdom and, and to come to the kingdom is available to anyone. Mm -hmm. Now, what we'll discover, <clears throat> excuse me, is exposure to the kingdom means transformation. It's what we call repentance and um, uh, sanctification, the process of correction in us, all the things yeah. that are that are products of kingdoms that are outside the kingdom of God. But when we step into the kingdom of God, there's that sanctification process, but it is for all and any. Mm -hmm. So it's I really exciting. love that passage. I do too, yeah. yeah. And I, I think it, it was just an expansion because in, in the Old Testament, if you read it closely, you actually see that God was always for all people, but there was also a set aside people of God that was chosen that was really one nation. So for Jesus to come and say this, it, it just really was revolutionary that the, the kingdom of God is now no longer represented in just one people group. Yeah, It's represented in everyone. And then I think about how um, saying that people will come from the East and the West and how so often in the Bible, using both the East and the West is basically the way to say from as, as far as opposite possible, as possible. Yeah. Um, that, that really is, it's not just, oh, they're gonna come from two different directions, but we're talking about everyone is welcome. It's, it is, it's revolutionary. We get kind of used to it sometimes when we've been yeah. in church, but it's amazing. And unfortunately, it's also what I feel like is, is under the most scrutiny right now. Um, what I mean by that is any kind of thinking that's not vanilla and consistent and the objective is to everybody to kind of fall in line so that um, we, if, if we don't all think the same exact way, there's no space. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe that that's one of the things that are threatening the core of the church. Um, we need to all agree on really critical things, who Jesus is, what the gospel is, how that's expressed. Um, I'm all about that. But to say that there's not going to be a diversity of thinking in the church is to cut the church off at its mm -hmm. knees. You know, we have, we have a very culturally diverse church and we're blessed uh, for that. It's one of the things that we love. And um, one day maybe I'll write a book about how we tripped on it because it wasn't anything we did intentionally. <laughs> but um, people make that comment all the time when they walk into our church. Like the diversity is, is, is just something that's a part of who we are. I couldn't imagine doing a cookout or doing a picnic where there's not just a diversity of food and a diversity of com like the last the uh, we think back to memorial day there was one group of people that were playing dominoes mm -hmm. and you just sense the cultural uh nuances yeah of i had no game. idea dominoes yeah. would be at a cookout absolutely and i couldn't imagine a cookout without dominoes mm -hmm. right so in that what we're seeing is you're better for it we're better mm -hmm. for the experience even the food, even in the conversation, even in the language, if we all thought the same, we'd be cutting off these things that make us beautifully unique. But when we bring it together, we're able to be stronger yeah. and better and well-rounded. So the kingdom of God is for people from all different backgrounds. Which means the feast and the kingdom of God are gonna be good. Yeah, I mean, even in Revelations, <laughs> when it talks about the gathering of the people, Often when th that word tribe has some indication of ethnicity in mm -hmm. it in the original language. And I, I love that. Mm -hmm. I just I just love that one day in heaven, there'll be different languages 
and I have a sense that we'll understand them all. I don't, I don't know if there's any biblical yeah, background to that, but I just love the idea that I'm going to hear Swahili used to glorify God. Like even now when we do these English Spanish worship services, there's something incredible about thinking, man, someone's heart language is being used to express the, the glory of God. It's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. Mungu akipenda. That's God loves you in Swahili. You just happen to pick a language that I've learned. <laughs> um, and, and this kind of speaks a little bit to our theme, Luke chapter 9, verses 59 through 62. He, he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. This is a tough one. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replies, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This is a really tough one. Mm -hmm. So it's yours. You go. (laughs) (laughs) I think this one, it is tough because you can read it kind of quickly and think, oh, Jesus is saying like my family doesn't matter. And that's not what Jesus is saying. But I think he is speaking to our tendency sometimes as as people is just, we want to be part of the kingdom and proclaim the kingdom and work for the kingdom when it's convenient for us. And what he's saying is this isn't a part-time thing, like you're all in or you're not in, um, which can still be kind of hard to wrestle with because it's not really the world that we live in right now. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of places in our life where we're asked to be like 100% all the time. Um, but it's, it's what we were made for. So I would say without being able to do like a deep dive and, um, just looking at these verses, that's kind of what he's speaking to. Yeah. The way that it was always explained to me, and I don't know if it's a good explanation, but it was always you, the kingdom of God should matter so much. It should Uh, You know, this was the passage where uh, it talks about hating your mom, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I love my mom. I could never hate my mom. But that's what the passage kind of indicates this idea. But I was always taught your love for the Lord should be so deep that it seems like your love in comparison looks like hate. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I'm not sure if that's exactly I still think Jesus is pushing a little further than that. um, Because he, like... But, okay, so burying your father, I kind of get that one a little bit because it's if he was present with his father up until the point of death, like, yes, closure is yeah, important. Absolutely. Like, um, even in my own family, we've walked through a death this year, and absolutely being at that funeral was a priority for me. Um, but there can there can sometimes be times where we're dragging our feet, and I and I think Jesus is saying, Let's go. Like, yeah. if you've already said goodbye to your family, if you've already said that you're going to go, how many times are you going to be? Well, let me just go say goodbye one more time. Or um, if you've if you've spent this time leading up to death, and I I didn't brush up on the burial procedure and how many days it is in between death and burial and all of that. But like, there there is a point where we can keep coming up with reasons that we can't go. And um, so this is more of a commitment conversation than anything. I think it is. Yeah, and I. And a procrastination, maybe. Yeah, I do think, again, fast forward to today, because I'm always trying to think of the practical impl- impl- uh, implications mm-hmm. to us as believers. I do think there's an issue with commitment. Yeah. Um, there is a tendency to, you said it earlier, kind of have one foot in one place and one foot in another 
Um, because so much of that is like the fear of making the wrong decision. Like, all my friends are doing this. I want to do this. Or, mm -hmm. man, this is really what I feel like I need to do. I want to do this. And I do think sometimes there's a lack of commitment. So I do feel like this is a very much, you can't sit on the fence here. Like, you yeah. got to pick one or the other. And I wonder if some of that happens because we don't have this all-encompassing idea of the kingdom. So we think I have to choose my family or the kingdom. I have to choose my school or my business or the kingdom. And maybe without having spent a long time thinking about this, like maybe it's more, why aren't you inviting the kingdom into where you already are? Oh, like, why cool. do those have to be separate? Can't you proclaim the kingdom yeah. while you're raising your children and while you're, you know, going to school and all of those sorts of things? can be part of that proclamation of the kingdom. Well, I, I also think that idea of the, um, the plow and he says, no one who puts a hand on the plow and looks back. So it's not even that you took your hand off the plow, it's that you look back because the objective of plowing is straight lines. Mm -hmm. And to look back means I no longer have insight into what I'm doing. I'm now not focused. Right. So I do think that again, to your point, it's commitment it's a lack of focus. And he's speaking to both those things to say, no, no, the kingdom of God includes the way that you're a dad, the way mm -hmm. that you're a mom, the way that you're, you're, you're um, a businessman, the way that you're a businesswoman, the way that you run your, your nonprofit, the way that you live in your neighborhood. All of those things are subject to the kingdom of God and you should be in relationship to all those things through the lens of your commitment to yeah. the kingdom of God. Yeah. It's a strong one. It is a strong um, one. But I do think, again, as we describe the characteristics of the kingdom of God, it's important. Mm -hmm. So last one. Uh, Revelations chapter 11, verse 15. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heavens which said, the kingdom of the world has become uh, the kingdom of the Lord and his Messiah and he will reign forever and ever. The kingdom of God is forever. Mm-hmm. And, and just simply, whenever I hear forever, I want to invest in forever. I don't want to invest in things that fade or corrupt or destroy. So much more spiritual. Whenever I hear forever, I think forever, forever, ever. <laughs> forever, ever. Um, or the Everything is Awesome song, because there's a forever part in there too, I've right? I've been singing it all day. Yeah, yeah but have. I'm not going to sing it right now. <laughs> Come on, that's what the people tune in Let's for. Get copyrighted, guys. Listen, if... <laughs> If you've been watching for 30 minutes, you deserve Ashley's rendition of Everything is Awesome. So Everything is awesome. <laughs> That's all you get. Oh, I'm going to click that and put it on a short. That's okay. <laughs> but I do. I do feel like uh, there's so many things that are temporary, so many things that are uh, quickly fading. Even my life, according to what we read, Scripture is like a vapor. So anytime I read the word forever, that's the stuff that I want to invest in. Mm -hmm. I want to invest into a kingdom that has no end. Yeah, it goes back to putting that hand on the plow. Like, yeah. that's not work that is going to be wasted. That's an investment that is eternal. And nothing else, nothing else is. So when you consider these characteristics of the kingdom of God, um, what are some of the things that kind of jump out at you? Which one kind of grabs a hold of your heartstrings? Um, I think they all together kind of speak to me. I feel like every time you ask me a question, I'm like, I'm just going to redefine the question with what I'm processing. So I apologize. But I think it's, it's the, 
the just like all that I would be invited to be part of a kingdom like this. Like there is this sense of, I can't believe that God wants me to be part of his kingdom immediately coupled with the responsibility that comes with that and wanting not to live up to God's expectations because I know that there's grace and it's not kind of a like, it's not a duty kind of thing, but at the same time, just to be like, man, I'm so thankful that you've invited me into this. Like, it's a big commitment, but I want to be all in. I, I had an issue in middle school. This, this story is literally coming to my, my well, I, <laughs> yes, I had a lot of, middle school was horrible for you boys. Seventh grade was horrible. I got most improved in eighth grade, but that's because I set a referral reference in seventh. So a referral record in seventh. Um, but what happened was several things. First of all, Miss Rainbow, another story for another day. She was <laughs> phenomenal. Her name was Miss Rainbow. But um, she had noticed that I needed something bigger than myself. I was the guy running in the halls all the time, totally amped up on, you know, just being a 12-year-old, 13-year-old kid slapping lockers. I, I, was, I was a bad kid. So she made me a safety guard. Hmm. And there was something about being a part of something bigger than me that pulled something out of me. That's brilliant. Yeah, it was this moment where um, she recognized what wasn't being, um, what wasn't coming out of me and gave me a responsibility. And now I was acting um, in a way like my behavior had shifted to what she saw versus what I knew. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's critical because what I love about the kingdom of God is truth and love. Like we talk about it all the time. So much of this that we're going to be talking about in the next several months is descriptive truth of what Jesus is saying. This is the kingdom. This is what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And there's also that love that says, and you should be motivated to this, not out of compulsion, not out of anxiety. Matter of fact, he speaks about worry. You should be motivated to this out of a love for what I'm calling out of you. Um, so yeah, when I read about how it's ever present and, and it means that I can always tap into the, 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 the power of the kingdom of God, it's with me wherever I go. Um, when I read about its rescue and redemption and forgiveness and how that's such a big characteristic of the kingdom of God, like that's our purpose and our intention, I get excited. But to even think that he would call me in um, is the part that really makes my heart come alive. And, and in the same breath, maybe you're watching this and you're thinking, I want to be called in. Well, you have been. That's the beauty of scripture. Um, he said, when I am lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. He had been lifted up. That's what we just celebrated in Easter. Like the, 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 the crucifixion of Jesus, the, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus means that life is made available to each and every one of us. And he calls us into his kingdom as children of God. You can have access to the kingdom of God, but it does require for you to accept that invitation of the mm -hmm. sacrifice that he laid out. So um, listen, if you're in a, a, a journey of spirituality, trying to figure out where this Jesus person fits, uh, we would love to have a conversation with you. You can drop us a line, uh, yeah, visit we the website. Have a, yeah. We have a form. It's called our WhatsApp form. If you go to centercity.church slash WhatsApp, there's actually a place to check a box that you would like to have a conversation about this. And it just gives us a chance to follow up with you one-on-one -on -one and um, 
and really talk about what that means with you. We'd love to be the first to welcome you to the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's this week, and we hope you enjoy it. And as we hope always, you made it to the end. Yeah. If you did, <laughs> congratulations. Yeah. Um, we will see you Sunday for week two of Kingdom Over Everything. Mm -hmm.